Colossians chapter number three, look at verse 10 with me. The Bible says, and have put on the what church? New man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Let's say that last phrase together. But Christ is good. One more time, let's say it together. But Christ is all. Oh, that's a very important phrase. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, also do ye. And above all these things, put on what? Charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God, and let the peace of God, and let the peace of God Rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. As we meet today, there is certainly one thing that we all have in common, and it's that we have nothing in common. Amen? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. We don't have all of us here. We all have one thing in common. We don't have everything in common. We're all different today. All around us in the world, we watch on television and the news, we see the world clashing in conflict. Politics, religion, cultural issues, racial differences, conflict can be seen wherever you look. This morning, what I see is a tent full of people and people watching online and people in their vehicles, all of which are very different, but we come together as a united group of people with a similar goal. Christ is greater than our conflicts. So let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'll help us today. I pray, Lord, that you work in the message, encourage our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I know what temperature it is, so I'll make sure that I keep my message within two hours. We'll get out of here right on time. Amen? Just kidding. We live in a world today that's fueled by conflict, do we not? Do we not? I said we live in a world that's fueled by conflict. We see conflict around the world, and uh, as you look, even in the animal kingdom, there is conflicts. But as you watch the animal kingdom, you can find uh, harmonious relationships between animals sometimes. It's called a symbiotic relationship. How many know what that is? A symbiotic. Raise your hand if you went to school. Amen. Symbiotic relationship. Symbiosis is defined as a long-term relationship by two different organisms that are, it's mutually beneficial. I came across two of them the other day I thought was unique and work, worth the mention. How many know what a zebra is? Raise your hand if you know what a zebra. All you kids, you know what a zebra is? How many know what an ostrich is? How many know that those two things are different? Okay, good. Did you know that a zebra and an ostrich can sometimes form a symbiotic relationship? I did not know this. Apparently, ostriches have very poor sense of smell and hearing making it difficult for them to detect any predators that they cannot see. Whereas the zebra can hear, uh, 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 can see okay, excuse me, it can hear and smell okay, but it has poor eyesight. And so these two animals, they travel together and they warn each other of possible dangers. The ostrich, ostrich looks out for the zebra, and the zebra listens and smells for the predator. So here's my question, kids. Why do you think that these two animals spend time together? They put aside all their differences and all the different ways. They look different, and they're different, but they, they spend time together 
for a purpose. Why do you think that they do that? What do you think the goal is? Somebody raise your hand and help me. Why do you think these two spend time together? Why do you think that happens? Any kids out there? I'm looking for hands. Anybody? Max? Survival! So that they won't get eaten. That's a pretty good reason, right? I don't know about you, but I'm not really looking forward to being eaten anytime soon. We read in Colossians chapter number 3, verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. You see this morning, we're able to get past our conflicts. And how many of you recognize that we all have conflicts? We have conflicts. Raise your hand now. We have conflict as humans, but we're able to get past that as Christians because we have something in common. And what we have in common is Christ. And he's greater than our conflicts. Today, I want to help us grow in this area of getting along with others in the human race. In our flesh, it's not natural for us to get along with others. Matter of fact, in our flesh, it's not natural to work through conflict. But in our flesh, conflict is actually inevitable and actually inescapable. So today, I want to bring you three areas that Christ is greater than our conflicts. And by the way, this is a message that we need today. And all God's people said, we need this today because now's not a time for Christians to have conflict. Now's a time for Christians to band together. Amen? So number one today, Christ is greater than our differences. Christ is greater than our differences. Look at verse 10. We have put on a new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither, notice this, neither Greek nor Jew, verse 11. Circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, symphony, symphony, amen, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. As you study what Paul's saying here in verse 11, he gives us some instruction on how we can get along with anyone, how we can get along with anyone. As a matter of fact, I can see in verse three, uh, in verse 11, at least three categorical differences that Paul points out. Letter A, I see a, I see the differences of culture. So Christ, letter A, is greater than our cultural differences. He says here, whether there is neither Greek nor Jew, Greek nor Jew. Paul is now preaching to a church, the church at Colossae. He's writing this letter and he's writing to a church. Imagine here at this, under this tent today, imagine that right down the middle was a dividing line and everybody on this side of the tent, everybody over here today was Greek. Okay. So everyone over here, raise your hand. Say, I'm Greek. Okay. So you're Greek today. And then everybody on this side of the tent, raise your hand. You're a Jew. Okay. So in this church, it was divided. You had Greeks and you had Jews. Now, why did Paul choose to these two different groups of people? Because they were different. And they had great differences, as a matter of fact. The Jew and the Greek, they had all sorts of cultural differences. And, and so Paul is speaking to them. Here on this side of the auditorium, you have all these folks raised in Greek homes. They were, they were, they lived in Greek villages. They spoke the Greek language. Uh, these people uh, had Greek uh, cultures and, and all kinds of things. But when they met Christ, I said, when they met Christ, come on now, the body of sin was destroyed, and even though they're still Greek in their culture, now they are a new person in Christ. 
And then we see the Jewish people on the other side of the aisle, raised in Jewish homes, raised in Jewish tradition, Jewish customs. And you see, this Jewish, these Jewish people, they were raised on the law. But after they met Christ, the body of sin was destroyed, and they became a new person in Christ. And now the Jew and the Greek, while they're different in culture, and they're different in language, and they're different in the way that they're raised, they come together in a, as a new man in Christ. You see, Christ is greater than our cultural differences. Jews and Greeks, they have completely different background, different accents, different dress, different preferences, different outlooks, even different politics. Paul is using this example because these two groups of people are at extremes, and often these two groups of people did not get along. They were different culturally in just about every way, but Christ... When he entered into their hearts, the Bible says, but Christ is all, and in all, these folks became one in Christ. So listen today. I think you can draw from the Scripture a comparison to today. We live in a land where there's a lot of different cultures. And all God's people said, amen. People raised in different homes, they have different backgrounds and different thoughts and different politics and different views on the way things should be done. But when we meet Christ, we become brothers and sisters in Christ. And all God's people said, amen. And Christ is greater than our cultural differences. Take your Bibles. Go to Galatians chapter 3. All right, take your Bibles. Go to Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians, if you're at home, go to Galatians chapter 3. And uh, I'm thankful for that little bit of a breeze. I, I don't know if you feel it, but it's coming through. Praise God. I preached a fu- uh, funeral. Well, anyway, I preached a I preached a wedding, big difference, um, a couple days ago, and it was on the beach, and uh, and it was it was like 90 degrees outside, and it was like 65% humidity, and I'm standing there in a suit, and sweat is just pouring, and the people were facing me, they were facing the sun with no shade, and there and I could feel every word out of my mouth, they're like, please stop talking, just end this now, you know, anyway, um, look at Galatians 3 verse 25. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Of course, Paul is talking about the Jew now, as they come from underneath the law. Look at verse 26. For ye are what? What's the next word? All right. For ye are what, church? All, all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Look what it says, verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Paul makes it clear to this church in Galatia, we're no longer Jewish or Greek. We're no longer bond nor free. We're no longer male or female. He's using this as a metaphor, but we're all one in Christ. Of course, Paul is not invalidating our culture. He is not invalidating social status. These are things sometimes we can't even change. Uh, we cannot change how we look. Uh, we cannot change our ethnicity, ethnicity, nor should we want to. Uh, but the aspects of our culture, they meld together in the church as we all come under Christ. Paul is certainly not invalidating gender roles, for he speaks about those at length in other passages. The point of this verse is simple. Look at verse 29. Here's the key to the whole thing. And if ye be Christ, then ye are what? Abraham's seed. And what's the next word? Heirs. That's an important word, according to the promise. In other words, yes, we're all different. Yes, we all have different color of skin. Yes, we might 
uh, speak a different language, or maybe we have different traditions that we grew up with. But when Christ adopts us into his family, we all become part of the same family. I said, we all become part of the same family. And all God's people said, Amen. That means somebody who's a different color skin than I am or somebody that speaks a different language than I am. He's a brother or she's a sister in Christ because we're a part of the same family. We're equal. I said we're equal. Let me say that again because I know some of us don't get this in our minds here. But we are all what? We're all equal in Christ. We all are equal beneficiaries. We all become joint Heirs with Christ. You see, in Christ, there's no distinction. In Christ, we're equal. We have equal access to the share of promises. We become joint heirs to his fortune, the riches of God in Christ. We are equal beneficiaries to the promissory will of God. We are equal in Christ. So what does that mean for us practically today? Let's think about it. I am equal to my brother and sisters in the eyes of Christ. Because of Christ, he becomes greater than my cultural differences. I can set aside my preferences. I can set my opinions aside. I no longer have to say, well, that's just who I am, or that's just how I was raised, and I was just raised to think that about those type, those kinds of people or that type of people. But because I'm in Christ, I am a new creature, and therefore every single human being on this planet is created equal in the eyes of God. And all God's people said, That should be our viewpoint as Christians. There should never be a racist Christian. And all God's people said, there should never be a racist Christian. Matter of fact, if you're racist as a Christian, you might want to check your theology because in Christ, we're all created equal. If Christ can cause unity between a Greek family and a Jewish family, he certainly can create unity between the many different cultures represented in our church today and any other that's not represented today. Not only is Christ greater than our cultural differences, letter B, he's greater than our intellectual differences. Notice what he says here, barbarian and Scythian. Now I want to explain these real quick. In Greek culture, a barbarian was someone who couldn't read. A barbarian in Greek culture, education was everything, everything. And if you couldn't read, it was a shameful thing upon you and your family. They would call you a barbarian if you could not read. The Scythians, or uh, these this group of people, were those that lived along the Black and Caspian Sea. And in the first century, these were considered the worst of the worst of barbarians. And so what Paul is saying is, no matter who these people are, if they can't read, if they're uneducated, a matter of fact, those Scythians, those people on the other sides of the track, you know who I'm talking about, those people over there, uh, those that you look down upon, we are all equal in Christ. You see, Christ is greater than our intellectual differences. It doesn't matter about your education. Education's important. But listen, it doesn't matter in our unity in Christ. You see, in the church of God, a doctor, an electrician, a mechanic, a nurse, a farmer, a landscaper, an engineer, a teacher should all sit on the same aisle together and love one another with a great love and have respect with one another. And listen, it doesn't matter if the person can't read or if the person writes textbooks. It doesn't matter because in Christ, we are equal in him. He's greater than that. He's greater than that. I said he's greater than that. You don't like somebody because of the way that they are? Christ is greater than that. Amen whether it's our cultural difference or intellectual difference, Christ is all and in all. The third category I see is greater than our economic differences. He says, whether bond or free, I can't think of two greater differences in economy than a slave and someone who owns a slave. 
When you're a slave, you have no rights of your own. You become the property of someone else. And in this culture, it would have been very common for Paul to know many slaves. No doubt, many in this church that Paul was talking to, they were raised by parents and grandparents who looked at the slave that lived in their home and taught their kids to look at them like they were nothing but property, bought and sold. But in Christ, listen today, in Christ, there is no such thing as bond or free. In other words, there's no such thing as a slave in Christ. The slave is equal with the owner. And all God's people said, amen. There's no such thing in Christ. In Christ, there's no difference between the rich and the poor, the up and coming and the down and out. In Christ, the homeless is equal with the homemaker. Yes, uh, you say you might say, well, yeah, they're lazy and they should do all this. But hold on just a minute. We are all equal in Christ. Amen. I know it's hard for us in our, in our minds sometimes to get this wrapped around our brain. And all God's people said, we look at the homeless person sometimes, and, and I know we try, sometimes we jump to conclusions and we judge them. And, and yes, I understand all of those, all the context of that, but understand this morning that in Christ, we are equal. I said, in Christ, we are equal. Let's go to James chapter two. Go to James two quickly. Let's look at some Bible on this and then we'll move on. My next two points are a lot quicker. James chapter number two. Notice what it says in verse 1 of James 2. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come also a poor man of vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, the nice clothes, and you say unto him, sit here on the good place and say to the poor, you stand out there under my footstool. And, and, and look at verse 4. Are ye not then partial in yourselves and become what? Judges of evil thoughts. Hearken, my beloved brethren, you better listen, he says. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, uh, uh, the poor of this world, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme the worthy name of uh, by which you are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt what, church? Love thy... Oh, come on now. Quote that with me. Ready? Thou shalt what? And ye do well. But if ye have respect of persons, ye what? Commit sin. Wait a minute. What? What? Wait, hold on a second. Did James just say what I think he said? To have respect of persons? In other words, to look at someone else's cultural, intellectual, or economic differences than us and have respect of persons? In other words, judge that person because they're not the same as we are? Did James just say that's a sin? Yes or no, church? Yes, it's a sin. To judge another person based on their cultural, economic, or intellectual differences. Indeed, it is sin. Christ is greater than our differences. I said Christ is greater than our differences. All of our differences, we need to pray and ask for help. I said we need to pray and ask for help to look past intellectual, to look past economic, to look at past cultural differences of others and see us all as equal in Christ. Let me give you number two today. Not only is Christ greater than our differences, but Christ is greater than our disagreements. Look at verse 12. Put on, therefore, the elect of God, holy beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, longsuffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Before I got married, I, uh, I was working at an apartment complex in Modesto. I'm going to stand in the shade for a second. <laughs> Amen. Whew. I was working at an apartment complex in Modesto, and I was a maintenance man. And this apartment complex was surly at best. I mean, this was an interesting place. And uh, I was walking behind the apartment complex one day, and I had my bag of tools with me. And I was going to the maintenance uh, uh, 
the maintenance closet there. And I'm walking along, and all of a sudden I hear this strange sound. It was like a scuffling sound, kind of like someone was breakdancing in the parking lot. I couldn't see it, but I could hear it. Am I on camera, guys? Am I okay here? Okay. And I could hear this, and I, I stopped for a second to listen, and I heard this muffling. And then I heard screaming, stop it, stop hitting me, stop. And I heard that, you know, the sound of, of fists. And so I, I thought I heard a woman screaming for help. And so I dropped my tool bag, I clenched my fists, I clenched my jaw, and I was ready to spring into action to save this poor woman from being beat up by her boyfriend or whoever it was. So I came around the corner, and I, I had this, all this confidence in the world, and I stopped dead in my tracks because of what I saw. I didn't see a woman being beat up by a man. I saw a man being beat up by a woman. And here was this lady. She was probably in her 60s. And she had this older guy in a headlock. And she's just punching him in the face like this. Boom. And he's yelling, please stop hitting me. Please. And I saw this happen. And I just kind of stopped. And she turned around and looked at me like, you're next, buddy, if you don't go. So I figured he's got this under control. And so I just moved right along. I figured he probably had it coming anyway. You see, that morning, I was ready to join a fight. I was ready to join the battle that wasn't mine. It wasn't my battle. If I had gotten involved, she probably would have stopped beating on him and probably beat me up and then went back to beating him again. Look at what Paul says here. Put on, therefore, the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind. You see, we're supposed to put on our Christianity every day. We're supposed to put on mercy and kindness every single day. Because guess what? There's a lot in this world that we can disagree about. And all God's people said, Coke or Pepsi, Chevy or Ford, every day. I mean, if you choose a Ford, you're weird. But anyway, every single day, we have the choice. Listen to me. I'm almost done. Every day, we have the choice to react to conflict the way that the world reacts to conflict. Or we could choose to react to conflict the way that Christ would react to conflict. You say, we have the choice to put on Christ kindness, humbleness, meekness, long-suffering. You see, these reactions take on a little bit of a different shape in 2020. Most of our conflict takes place on social media. I remember the first time I got into an argument on Facebook. Don't look at me like that like you've never done that. I'll never forget, I, I, I saw somebody said something I disagree with, so I politely stated my case. And then they turned around and blasted me in return. And then I blasted them, and then he blasted, and this went on for two days until my wife said, why are you doing that? You don't even know this person. May I just challenge a different way of thinking for all of us this morning? If I choose to engage in a battle that isn't mine, I end up fighting in this battle that isn't mine, and I wear myself out fighting battles with someone else I may never meet, or it doesn't matter, and I wear my, myself out fighting in battles, and I'm wearing myself out to the point where I don't have the time or the strength to fight the battles in my own home. You see, there's some things in my life that are worth fighting for. How about you? I said, there's some things in life worth fighting for, and there's some things that aren't my battle. You say, Pastor, what are those things worth fighting for? I'm glad you asked. Letter A, fight for your marriage. Not, not in your marriage, <laughs> for your marriage. That means I'm going to fight to spend time with my wife. I'm going to take her places. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, listen to her, try to listen to her, uh, do my best to listen to her. And all God's men said, amen, right? Uh, I'm going to understand and I'm going to learn and I want to spend time and I want to forgive and I want to have patience. I want to fight for my marriage. Why am I fighting with some guy I'll never meet on Facebook when I don't have time uh, for that kind of stuff? I need to fight for my marriage. How about fight for your kids? 
fight for your family, spend time with them, take them places, play in the backyard, do family devotions, have a prayer time, take them to church, do family dinners, fight for your family. Stop fighting on Facebook. Fight for your family. It's not your battle. How about this? Fight for liberty. Fight for liberty. And all God's people said, hey, I want to tell you something. Our liberties are slipping away. You might want to fight for that. You ought to register to vote. And all God's people said, oh, it doesn't matter. We live in a county. You know what? If enough Christians in California would get their head out of the sand like the ostrich and go vote for Christian values, we might actually take back this great state of ours. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm not for abortion. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm for marriage between a man and a woman. I don't know about you, but I'm for churches being able to meet when they want to meet. So we better fight for our liberties. I think it's about to start thundering and lightning in a minute here. Amen. Letter D here, fight for your church. Fight for your church. You say, how do I do that? Be faithful. Every time you're here, you're fighting for your church because you're encouraging your pastor and you're encouraging that brother and sister in Christ next to you. Every time you're here, amen, be faithful and give and encourage others and engage and pray for one another. But fight, 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 fight for your church. Fight for the lost. I said, fight for the lost. For those that don't know Christ, put out door hangers, talk to your neighbors, give the gospel where you can. Hey, there's plenty of fights out there. We don't need to get into battles that are not ours to get into. Amen. Christians, we have a lot of things we could disagree about. But listen, stop fighting with each other and start fighting for things that are your battle, your marriage, your family, your neighborhood, your church, the loss that you know. Those are things worth fighting for. Why? Because Christ is greater than our disagreements. Brother Linder, you and I, we don't agree on everything. Brother Asprell, you and I don't agree on everything. My dad and I don't agree on everything. We don't. We can't. We're all humans. But we put those things aside because Christ is greater. Amen. I'm just picking on these men because I know them well. Number three here, Christ is greater than our dispositions. And I'll close with this. Christ is greater than our dispositions. Look at what Paul says in verse 14. And above all these things, put on what, church? Are you with me? Look at verse 14. Let's read it together. Verse 14, ready to begin. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond. One more time. One more. Everybody reading verse 14, ready to begin. And above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of. Hey, I often wonder how a church like ours can thrive and grow in 2020. In a world full of conflict, in a world full of tension, how can a church full of such different people from such different walks of life, how can we continue to grow and thrive? And the answer is because Christ is greater. Christ is greater. We all bring to the table individual dispositions. We all have unique personalities. We all have unique preferences. We all have different opinions. We all have different temperaments. How is it that churches all over the world How is it that churches all over this great country of ours can come together and form something united, form something beautiful, because Christ is greater? He says, above all these things, we can put on charity, charity that we get from the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you remember last week's message, but I used an example of taking off the old suit and putting on the new suit. In this verse here, it says, put on charity. And imagine with me that that new suit is charity. Because we're in Christ, listen to me carefully today, because we have Christ and because we're in Christ, maybe you grew up a racist person. You no longer have to be racist. And all God's people said, because we're in Christ, you may have grown up an impatient, angry person, but in Christ, you no longer have to be that way. 
You may have grown up or, or been raised, or maybe your temperament or your, your disposition is an irritable, angry uh, uh, kind of a person. But in Christ, we don't have to be that way. We can put on charity because in Christ, I'm a new creature. So what do we need today? As I close, what do we need today? We need Jesus. Amen. We need Christ. We need to be like the ostrich and the zebra. Amen. Some of us can't smell the, we, you know, we can't smell the help us anything. Some of us are blind as a bat, but we come together. And while one person may struggle with this and another person may struggle with that, and one person may have a strength in this department and one person may have a strength, we come together and we form a unity, we form the body of Christ, we put aside our differences, we put aside our disagreements, we put aside our dispositions, and we help one another to not get eaten. Amen? The Bible says that Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I'm going to close, but I want you to look at the family in front of you. And I want you to look at the family to the left and right of you. Look around. Look at how different we are. Look at how different we are. But I want to tell you something today. Satan wants to destroy that family in front of you. Right now, Satan is stalking them. That family beside you, Satan has had them in in his sights for some time now. He wants to devour them just like he wants to devour you. So I want to ask you today, since Christ is greater, how about we watch out for one another? How about instead of worrying about what that other person is wearing, Instead of worrying so much about why that person does what they do, why don't we pray for them? Why don't we be an encouragement to them? Amen. Christ is greater than our differences. Christ is greater than our disagreements, and Christ is greater than our dispositions. Every head bowed and every eye closed today. Nobody's looking.